0: I'm so thankful for this series, the CARE series. It's been a blessing to our church, and hopefully you've been able to catch up. But if you've missed any, week one where the Tim Barber spoke on caring for our guests and what an excellent teaching that was to be good stewards of the people that God blesses us with. It was great teaching. Week two, my, 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 pastor shock spoke, he just laid it out so beautifully, and ch- I was challenged, and we're so thankful to, for the leadership of our pastor and first lady, Sister Tammy Harpole, and all the leadership we have here, and we learned that week two how to minister to our pastor, and then in week three, we were treated by Brother by Dan McLeod, and he ministered to me, and I was challenged again to admonish and respect, and how to be led by the Spirit and stewarding the relationships that God had given us, the body, the church people who we go to church with. And how to treat one another. And so today I encourage all of us here today. And I'm, I'm going to throw a shameless plug out for the New Life podcast. If you're not subscribed to it. You can also watch them online or Facebook. And full disclosure, I'm not, I'm not here all the time. I'm the youth pastor. If you don't know who I am, I'm, my name's Andrew Fisher. And I'm usually across the street at the Student Life Center with the youth. So, so when there's midweek happening at this campus, I don't always get to hear it live. So the beautiful thing is we have podcasts, right? We have podcasts. So I listen to every one of the weeks of this series, caught up on every one of them. And even if I attended, there are many different ways that you can listen. I like to listen again so it sinks in a little bit deeper, right? And you can listen multiple ways. The way I like to do it is listen by mowing the lawn. You can listen to podcasts, as I often do. You can listen in the car. You can do it in the parent pickup line at school when you're cleaning the house and and, there's, there's a term that's used today, and I don't know if you know this or not, it's called binging. Have you ever heard of binging before? Okay, binge watching, all right? It's, it's typically what it is, is a form of entertainment. Could be a television show, could be on the internet, could be on a computer. It could be a, a, a episodes or a season, or it could even be a series of podcasts. And what a lot of people like to do is take a full Saturday and binge watch. Could be 35 episodes and waste an entire Saturday. Could you imagine that? How about this? I would submit to us today, what if we just binge listen or binge watch some sermons that have been preached in our church before and feel that sound in our homes as we're cleaning our homes, mowing the lawn, doing the yard work? Why don't we switch that, flip that culture in our church today? I think it'll be a blessing to you. I'm excited about this week and before we begin this week's lesson, I want to promote the series, especially the three speakers before me and especially week 2. Go back and listen to week 2 about how to minister to our pastor. So here we are, week 4. So last week again, week 1 we learned how to care for our guests or new people, people, right? Week 2 we learned how to care for our pastor, pastor. Week 3 we learned how to care and treat people one another, people again. So there's 3 P's there and week 4 we're going to learn how to care for our properties. The so fourth P. I don't know that we designed it that way, but that's how it landed. and I'm excited about it. But before we get to our physical properties, I want to talk about another P-word, and it is the pillars. Everybody say pillars. A pillar is a tall vertical structure used as a support for a building. In Judges 16, 26, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. I'm gonna read that again. Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. I don't know about you before we get any further. I want to make sure that I'm next to a pillar in the church that I may feel that, that I know that the church is supported and lifted up, and somebody I'm next to somebody that's lifting up the ministry and praying. I want to lean against them. Have you ever looked at somebody and thought, Man, that person is such a rock. They're so steady. Like they're just a rock. And I think of someone who is like that, is always there, is faithful, who is unselfish. In 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So at New Life, we focus on loving God, loving others, and serving we focus on loving God, loving others, and serving. That's what we do. That is the vision of our pastor and our first lady. That is what we do here at New Life. So we have to ask ourselves, what will our future role be in the kingdom of God? The Apostle John recorded one description. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. Revelation 3.12 so we're supposed to become parts of God's government structure, pillars in his temple. That's what I desire to be, to be a pillar in his temple. When I think of a pillar, we have a few in this room right now. I like to illustrate the Student Life Center. If you've ever been across the street, there's eight wooden pillars that come up, and they structurally support the building, the roof that's over our head. Now, a lot of times we don't know that they're there. We take it for granted that they're there. They kind of blend into the woodwork. And the young people don't even know they're there unless they take a lap around the church and run into one, smack right into one. But I don't know about you, but spiritually speaking, pillars in the church, I take special notice, special notice, and I observe them very, very closely. Many of us have seen the famous ancient buildings of Greece and Rome, and I was just in Israel and seen many pillars. So we've either seen these pillars in person or in pictures, and those buildings feature prominent pillars on the outside, And these pillars supported the roof and were important for the stability of the building. So different cities at different times favored different designs of pillars. And to this day, we can discern the era in which a structure was built by just simply looking at those pillars. And we can understand that God also places great importance on the design of his symbolic pillars, as described in Revelation 3.12. So God is creating in us his symbolic pillars, a distinctive design, his own character. That's what we're after, the character of God. That's what I desire today to be, is to be a pillar. So I ask myself, and maybe all of us in this room, am am I a pillar? Am I a pillar? Are you a pillar? Are you preparing to become a pillar, or are you a pillow? A pillow. So let's take a look at the difference between a spiritual pillar and a spiritual pillow. Some Christians today are called fair-weather Christians. So, you know, as long as the sun is just right and everything's going right in your life and the family is good and the job is great, got the promotion, the material things are coming in, they're at church and, and they're a Christian, right? But God expects more of his pillars and he is testing us to see what we are really made of so we read, this is what we read. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. You see the difference between a pillar, and I know this is really elementary, and a pillow in the shape of a pillar, if you can imagine that, a pillow in the shape of a pillar, can be seen where both have pressure applied to it. That pressure may be test from God, pressure from above, or it may be, Peer pressure, and I tell the young people this often, yes, peer pressure exists even when you're 40, even when you're older. It doesn't matter who you're around. Peer pressure still exists, presses up against us, or maybe pressure from every wind of doctrine which could push us apart. So when pressure is removed, a pillar and a pillow-shaped pillar may look identical, and both can still stand tall, but when they are under pressure, the difference becomes obvious, the spiritual pillow gives into every form of pressure, while a true pillar will continue to stand tall and unmoved, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. So when we compare the properties of pill- pillars and pillows, we can see some areas in which we need to examine my, I'm going to say my own character, our own character and attitude if we hope to realize our calling as pillars in the temple of God. So let's talk about a few attributes of a pillar. Pillars are unbendable and strong. Pillows are flimsy. They don't sustain weight without bending as they give in to pressure. Pillars are solid inside and out. The outside reflects what is on the inside. Pillows pillows may have the firm exterior but may contain a softer filling inside, and sometimes pillows are even filled with air, which makes them look more substantial than they truly are. Amen? Pillars stand upright. They serve a higher purpose above themselves. Pillows usually lay down flat, serving to increase comfort at their own level. Pillars are built to carry weight. They become stronger and more effective when they stand with other pillars. Pillows are built for comfort. And if you increase the number of pillows, as often everybody does, you may gain more comfort, but you will lose ability. If you sit on one pillow, it's okay, but if you sit on a bunch of pillows stacked up, The stability goes away. Pillars are in a fixed place supporting a building. Pillows are movable interior decoration, only providing comfort for those inside the building. So, for some of us, it may be much easier to fall into the category of the pillow, especially when we're spiritually weak or feeling drained by the challenges of life. We may tend to seek comfort, the relief of pressure, and the easy way out of our troubles. But can I tell you that quick momentary relief will not help us fill our calling, that there's no vacation from a Christian commitment. If you take a piece of metal out of the fire before it is refined, it will be ruined. If you try to use a piece of rock as a column before it is hewn, it will fall. So we who are called to be pillars must strive to develop the qualities, the attributes of a pillar, learning to remain strong, consistent serving effective team members and focused on the mission above, outside of ourselves, unselfish and doing the work of the Lord for him, for his glory, not our glory. King David wrote this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, Psalms 51.10. And God is right now creating in us the ability to support his church. That's what we're called to do. He, through his spirit within us, is developing us by purifying and strengthening us to become pillars of solid substance. So we read this. For thou, O God, have proved, tested us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. So strong pillars are refined. They're purified into unadulterated substance when the process of refinement is complete. That's what a pillar is today. A pillar is useful in many different aspects. A pillar is strong and never goes away. A pillar is useful not only because of what is made out, but because of where it stands. And we must be sure of where we stand so we can carry out our God-given responsibilities. A single pillar standing at the edge of God's word will not be very useful, but to fulfill our full potential, we need other pillars to come alongside us to support a solid foundation built upon the rock, which is Christ, the word of God. So now that we have heard the, the qualities and not define a real pillar, what shall we do? What shall we do? This is what we're told to do in Revelations 3.11. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. So let us each keep and revive the zeal. If you can go back to when you were first called to serve the Lord, That zeal that you had, that excitement, that passion that you had, let us be sure we are building with the foundation of Christ rather than self. We must avoid overconfidence. Remembering the apostle Paul's admonition, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. We're not this is not a pride thing. I take pride in, in, in the work of the church, yes, because I'm doing it for, as unto the Lord. I'm worshiping the Lord. This is why I'm doing it. I'm not seeking any kind of label or title. All I'm seeking is glory. I want to give God glory, and I want him to be pleased with me. Amen? The foundation does not move where the pillars are. Rather, the pillars must built, be built on the proper foundation. And we know that any pillar is only as strong as the foundation what it's what it's built upon, So no matter how strong or how stable it may seem, a pillar built on will eventually fall. Jesus warned us of this. Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like foolish man who built his house on the sand and rain descended. The floods came and winds blew and be on that house and it fell and great was the fall. So we must be careful today that we are built as pillars on the solid foundation of the rock which is Christ Jesus. So, What does this have to do with care of the properties? What does it have to do with serving in the church? And when I think of taking care of our facilities, taking care of our properties, all the things that God has blessed us with, or just serving in general, my mind immediately goes to the people throughout the years that I've seen serve. I consider these people, these folks, pillars in my life. These are people that you may not see serve. There are several people in this room right now, I don't want to point them out, but you're probably sitting next to a pillar that you don't even know what they're doing in the kingdom, but they're doing it every single day. They're pillars in this body, and I thank them for it. I honor them. When we're talking care for the properties, we can't get too far into the, the subject without talking about what new life's all about, what this church's culture is. Is all about. Our culture here is our first, our pastor and our first lady's vision, which is the generational church. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, generational church. You see, the culture of new life didn't just happen overnight, it's been developing for many years, many generations. A lot has happened before we got to where we are right now. A lot of prayer has went before us. A lot of sacrifice. A lot of fasting has went before us, and we're very thankful for that. And this established a culture here called the generational church, and we're thankful for those people. This is from your pastor. To build a generational church, it is simply to repeat what Israel was commanded to do concerning the statute of the law in Leviticus 10.11 and that ye may teach the children of Israel all the statues which the Lord has spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. This is what it is. It's the perpetuation of the church and the doctrine of Jesus Christ is the building of generations. That's what it is. And so by doing so, we seek retention, sustained growth, and healthy, functional marriages and home. Oh, that we would have healthy homes in our church today. If we had healthy homes, there's no stopping what the Lord would want to do through us. Amen. Our mission is to build unity in the body and duplicate the ministries which the Lord has placed in our hands. That's the generational church. That's from your pastor. That's the vision. That's the mission. That's what we're we're on right now. This is what we're doing. So, three aspects of the generational church number one, it's repeatable. It's repeatable, it's a repeatable, consistent, predictable process. It's transferable. Basically what that means is we're not based on a talent or a personality. We're not held hostage by a last name, right? That's the generational church. We're not held hostage by that because that's what we're developing here. Number two is the 414 window. Sister Amanda Wallace did some research on this, and I'm going to share some of it. She did this awesome research that helped us out a lot to minister to our younger generation, the four fourteen window is simply this: it's the age, it's four years old to fourteen years old. It's the age when people are most likely to make a decision to follow Christ. So, at the National Association of Evangelicals, pulled their membership to learn at what age members made this most important decision in their lives, and sixty-three percent made the decision between the ages of four and fourteen. Let that sink in: four and fourteen. Other older student studies have shown. Decisions made by the age of 18. But after that, it drops dramatically, drastically. So, first aspect is it's repeatable. Second aspect is we focus on the younger generation. That's what we're doing. And number three, priority. And understanding the primary. We have to make this a priority in our church, generational church. The priority and management of the secondary. So, in the generational church, we focus on generational development. There's a little bit of work to this. We have to develop this. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. In Gerardim 34, 34:9. Then there's the apostolic paradigm shift. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, "If it not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables?" So there's a key phrase: when the number of disciples was multiplied. Number two, growth is accompanied by conflict every single time. Every time there's growth, there's conflict. Then sight plus process produces a generational church. So what we're fighting against right now, and what I'm talking about today, I know I'm taking the long way around, the long road, the scenic route, the Sunday route around the road right now, is the Pradle principle, which means 20% of the body does 80% of the work. The generational church combats that. That's what we're fighting against because we believe that every single person in this church, four, I don't know, younger, I don't know, depends on if you're a Wallace or not. <laughs> you're driving a tractor when you come out of the womb. However old you are, you're serving in the church every single generation. We teach that here because there's, there's, there's amazing things that gets unlocked when that happens. We come together in unity. We're working together outside or inside. Or we're, we're worshiping God together. Another part of generational churches, generational discipleship. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. It's Deuteronomy 6, 6-7. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not, not depart from it. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper whereto I sin it. And lastly, Matthew 20, 19, go ye therefore, is the great commission, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Discipleship, generational discipleship encompasses all ministries. So, another another component is generational involvement generational involvement 1 Corinthians 12:12 12, 12, for as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of the one body being many are one body so also is Christ James 1:27 pure religion is undefiled before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep herself unspotted from the world John thirteen thirty four. a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So, I presented all that to say this. We have many different people, and if I start naming names, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to leave somebody out. Inevitably, I'm going to leave somebody out because we have many people that serve in the church today people who serve at this campus, people who serve at the north campus, people who serve in the food pantry, people who are working outside every single day and I just want to say from the bottom of my heart I thank you. I honor you cuz you're a pillar in this church. You're a pillar. To make it personal if you allow me just for a little bit to make it personal if it's okay. I look at my dad. My dad is a pillar. He is he is he's a pillar. He's steady He's here, by the way, he's not a self-proclaimed pillar. He would not say he was a pillar. I proclaimed him as a pillar. He's here, he supports the ministry. He supports our pastor and family. One of the favorite things that my dad does is when Pastor Harpole gets done preaching, he may not make, and, and Pastor Shock said this when he was teaching the series to give a thumbs up to pastor. That's exactly what my dad does. When he gets done preaching, he's like, that's good, that's good. I can, I can think of where the heist the Heist used to do that too, give a thumbs up, and he was always smiling. That's what I desire to be in this church. I desire to be that person that's always supporting, that's always there, that somebody just, okay, okay, he's here. Okay, she's here. Okay, okay, we're good. Everything's good. But my life's falling apart, but the pillars of the church, when I see them, when I connect with them, oh, thank God, I feel good. I've got to say that I don't know that I've ever sat down and my dad's ever taught me to serve. I don't know that he ever sat me down at home and put me in the kitchen table and got in front of me and said, okay, I'm gonna teach you some things about serving in the kingdom. He, he never got behind a physical lectern and taught me these things. Dad never did that. He was, he, was, he was never a man of a lot of words. But you have to understand something that the best sermons are the sermons that go unspoken. I learned a long time ago the power of observation and duplication. If you just observe. There's a lot of things today that I just want to tell you. If you want to learn your pastor, just observe. Not in a spooky, creepy way, right? You have to trail them, okay? But just watch. Learn, repeat. Okay, just duplicate. That's all you have to do. It's okay if pastor's not in front of us teaching. You can learn a lot just by watching. There's a lot of silent sermons out there. It wasn't a lesson that my parents taught me like I said, with words, but me, as, as far back as I can remember when my dad took me to the church on a church workday. How many knows about the church workdays? Took me on a church workday. He would load up his tools, load up his rake, put the tim, his pruners, his weed eaters, even a lawnmower sometimes, and as many tools as he could get in a five-gallon bucket. And he still does that to this day. Sometimes he puts it in a Kroger grocery sack. <laughs> he put that in the back of his old blue Dotson. And I would tag along. He would let me tag along on a Saturday. And when I was real young, I, I did, but I did a lot of watching. I just kind of like, I want, where are we going? I did a lot of watching. And he would tell me to do a few things, so I did it. But it wasn't too long after that that I started doing. I was watching and I started doing. Down on my knees, I went and pulled the weeds. And I didn't, I got to tell you, my mom would be disappointed for me to say this, but I didn't get the roots out of the ground all the time. I just wanted to get that out as quick as I could, so I just tilled the top off. Off the top of the landscape in there. But I learned over time quickly, sometimes forcefully, (laughs) Not to do that, to dig deep down into the roots, get your hands, get the dirt underneath the fingernails and get the weeds out of there. Then I'd trim some trees or I would follow my dad and clean up the brush piles and throw them back at the truck. And I know that investment didn't pay off right away but little by little, church trip after church trip, I began to fall in love with caring for the house of God. I began to fall in love with it. I developed a love to make the things presentable and keep things in order. Then it hit me one day, this is a form of worship. This is what we do. If you work in the church, that's a form of worship. It's not, it's not a time stealer, it's not a checklist item, but this is what we do, this is who we are, this is our church. This is, this is what I desire to do, because I love to go to the church and serve him above anything else. I thank God for those pillars that schedule their life around the church, and not the church around the life. Amen? Then it would get hot out, and I would find myself or make my make myself to go in to the nice AC unit, you know, the cool, and I immediately noticed that the church needed a vacuum. And I don't know, maybe you guys can, some of y'all can relate to the carpet that was in the churches back then, but you can make lines in the carpet. And so I didn't just vacuum the carpet and just do whatever I want, you know, just, I, I didn't do it really quick. I began to develop lines. You ever seen the baseball fields and the ground maintenance crews make the nice designs, the stars sometimes? That's what I would do down the aisles. And if somebody walked in and put a footprint on one, guess what? I did it again. I did it over. Because I'm telling you right now, when people walked in that church, I wanted them to feel, oh, wow. Somebody took time to take care of the carpet. How much more would they take care of me? I wanted them to see that. And I was doing it for God. And and while I was vacuuming the carpet, the Holy Ghost was... Would hit me, Brother Tim, and I start speaking in tongues or, or God would, would, would talk to me in those moments. Every time God talks to me, it's usually, usually when I'm working, I'm doing something. It's an amazing thing. So I would I would make lines in the carpet, and it hit me the other day. I get out the, the grass, you gotta understand we just moved into a new house, and I've always desired to have a nice lawn. Always desired to have a nice lawn. And we finally got to a house, and the people before me were pillars. They took care of the lawn they watered it, they, they, they seeded it, they, they treated it. So that's one of the first things I did. And I was mowing the grass and I was thinking about this night that I would be speaking and I'm thinking, I'm making lines in the grass like I did back in the church. You see, when you work in the church, you're gonna learn how to do things at your home. You're gonna learn how to do things at your job. You're gonna get promotions. That's how that works. Everything that I've ever learned revolved around the church and working in the church. Every skill set that I have, and I don't have many. It's only because of the Lord. It's because I served in the church. Amen? So I, there I am making lines in the carpet. Best lines you've ever seen. Almost better than Brother Larry Wallace's front yard. It's just like this. Making designs in it. So I learned how to take care of all that stuff. Clean our house. Because I was working the church. In 2015, we remodeled. It's hard to believe. That's eight years ago. Whew. We remodeled the Student Life Center across the street, new carpet furnishings. And I can tell you still to this day, I'll go over there multiple times a week and I can walk in and just sense the chair's out of place. There's a chair out of place somewhere. I have to go fix the chair and put it back in place. Something, the furniture's, furniture's not right. The water's not stocked. Nothing's, nothing's right. We can't have service until everything is perfect is it because I want to show off? No, it's because I just want to make sure everything is great for somebody that walks in that's never been in before, that they're just like, oh, wow, I've never been in a place like this before. And the spirit's just right. We're creating an atmosphere for worship. Then they receive the Holy Repent, receive the Holy Ghost, they get baptized. That's what we want. That's what we want. I would be remiss if I didn't identify Many of the different avenues of ministries and New Life. There's many different ministries. I got to tell you, there's so many. I'm going to leave some off. I'm sure, but the bus routes. I just seen Brother Tim. I just seen the team that you help get transitioned over to clean the buses. Brother Tim, for many years, clean the buses. I honor him. Nobody even knew that he did it. He was in the bus barn on every Saturday, spending hours vacuuming, and detailing, and cleaning those kind of things. Facility services, maintenance, and janitorial, hospitality. Welcome baskets, first impressions, the kitchen, the cafe, bookstores, creative ministries, music, service production, event planning, student ministries, children ministries, food pantry, Hispanic ministry, and main service, and, and some, if not most of all of these require some additional steps, some additional classes, some additional training. But if I can tell you that if you would determine to say, hey, son, hey, daughter, Hey grandson, hey granddaughter, hey young person, come with me. We're gonna to go to the church and worship. They're gonna say, "Are we having church today?" Is the church going? No, no, no. There's. I seen somebody. I was at the church the other day, and there were some weeds growing up. We're just gonna go. We're gonna worship God. We're gonna pull some weeds. You know what? I noticed the other day there were some rocks. the The sidewalk needs swept. We need to go sweep the rocks. You know, I said, I know. Br- noticed brother Larry. He was dumping in mulch. I. Ne- I think he needs a hand. If you would just show up and be available, and just you don't have. It doesn't have to be on the church calendar. You can just actually go to the Go to the church. Go to the student life center and actually just do the work. That's what that's what we're after. Pillars. Pillars. And I'm just going to purpose in my heart. I'm going to continue to this that I'm going to check as many things as I can. If that's the playground, if the trash needs picked up, if there's branches because the storm knocked over, I'm going to do that. Get, get your old pickup truck and go find all the branches that you can. And pick up. I, I tell you right now, there's a family that comes here every Saturday evening and goes to the parking lot and scours the parking lot to pick up trash, any rocks sweep, and they pray over the parking lot the, the Saturday night before service. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but thank them for, I thank them for doing that. They're preparing the way. They're preparing the way the ladies and men who work the food pantry, parking cars, working the desk, all the, all the kids, I think of all the kids who drag the, the trash bag out to the dumpster, throw it in the dumpster, all the work that goes on around these facilities, all the meals that prepare for people when they go through hardships and things, our church is there. But we gotta grasp a whole of this generational model and we gotta bring somebody alongside us and say, okay, come on with me, you're gonna come with me, we're gonna learn this together. It's taking care of what God's given us. It's taking care of what God's given to us. We we want to be we want to be pillars, Amen. We want we want we want to stand strong. We want to support. We want to lift up. We want to have an encouraging word. We want to know how it is to take care of new guests. We want to minister to our pastor. We want to be a blessing to one another. We want we want to know how to treat one another. We want to be known for for we want to be known for having a smile and shaking a hand. That's that's who we are. It doesn't mean we're we have a perfect life, or we don't go through things ourselves. We do. But God is going to use you. He's going to lock some things in this church. And I thank God for every single pillar that's in this room here today. God is so good to us. Amen. If we can stand together, I'm going to pray. And if you're interested in any kind of work or ministry, You can come to me, I'll help you. I can direct you in a certain way. I I I think God's gonna do a work in this place. Let's pray together. I thank you for reminding us that taking care of your house and the properties you've given us is a blessing and an opportunity to serve you. Help us to be good stewards of what you've given us. We desire to reach back into the generations to exemplify what biblical servanthood really means to you. We're thankful for all that you have given us, Lord. We intend to manage it to the best of our ability for your kingdom and your glory. Not for our kingdom, not for our glory, but for your glory, God. We thank you for your word, God. And we commit to be doers and not just hearers. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.